Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin of Behind the Steel Curtain for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. You know, we had kind of gotten used to having Victory Monday podcasts, and now we are back to the dud, the non-victory, the loser Monday pod, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. It seems like we're back to where we once were for a long time as the Steelers lose to the Baltimore Ravens in Week 14. 16 to 14 was the final score. That's right. 16 to 14 moves the Steelers' record to 5 and 8, kills a lot of hopes or dreams of potential playoffs or anything like that. If you had that vision that they were going to beat the Ravens 6 and 7, maybe they can finish at 9 and 8. Not that it's impossible, but it just seems really daunting right now. It really does. And so at 5 and 8, the Steelers, they remain in the bottom of the basement in the division. And it just doesn't look good. We're going to break down this game every which way and sideways in the second half of this show. We have my winners and losers, which is constantly a fan favorite, as I also write that article for the website. We did have some winners, though. Did have some winners. A lot of losers, but some winners. So make sure you stay tuned to that in the second half. And also, we've got injury updates. And who really is, what's really going on with this team? Is it coaching? Is it execution? Player roster development? We're going to take a look at that all in this podcast. Let's start off with the news injury update. That's where we always start after the games. Kenny Pickett left in the first quarter with a concussion. Now, this was weird. This is unique. I'm going to do my best to try and explain this to everyone and also why there's been some gray matter in this NFL concussion protocol realm that, in my opinion, needs to be figured out. So Kenny Pickett... In the first quarter, the Steelers' first possession on third down, he gets hit, evades the tackle. Then he gets hit again by Patrick Queen and gets slammed to the turf, and his head hits the turf. He gets up slow. They go to the sideline, and he is first sitting on the bench, and the doctors come over, and they say, we got to check you out in the medical tent. So they go into the medical tent. He comes out, gets his helmet. He's good to go. Goes back in for the second possession. Three and out. They come off the field, and then all of a sudden on Twitter, if you're following the beat writers and people that are there live, say, Pickett's going to the locker room. Wait, what? Pickett's going to the locker room? What was he going to the locker room for? He's been cleared. He does not have a concussion. So come to find out, he started, this is according to Mike Tomlin, mind you. This is according to Mike Tomlin after the game. He said afterwards that Kenny Pickett started to exhibit some symptoms after that second possession, and therefore the medical staff decided they were going to put him in the protocol. All right, that's the facts. That's what we know. Now, I do want to make something clear, and that is with this protocol, being in the protocol does not mean that you technically have a concussion. I want to make that crystal clear. And if you do not understand that, I want you to go back to the pre-week seven, that was when the Steelers played the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. Go back to Dave Schofield's Stat Geek podcast before that game on Sunday Night Football. I think it was then. It might have been the week after. One of those. And you will hear, he dives headfirst into this concussion, the, the league's protocol, and what it means to be in it. 
and it does not necessarily mean that you've had a concussion. I think it's safe to say that last time we dealt with this, we as the fans, meaning we as the media, after the Week 6 game, Kenny Pickett leaves that game with, again, concussion-like symptoms. But Mike Tomlin said as of Tuesday, hey, Kenny's fine. He hasn't had any symptoms. Everything we're hearing from the doctors is he's going to be good to go. And if he's good to go, we're playing him. And he didn't miss any practice. And he played in Miami. No issues, no setbacks. Now, this could be different. This could be different. He could have he could be experiencing some serious symptoms, headaches, sensitivity to light, uh, maybe some balance, coordination type things. I don't know. We don't know. We never will know. I'm just saying be careful before you start to say, wow, two concussions in the same season. So when you think about that week six, week six situation, also add in, and this happened after the concussion. I believe it was Pat Fryermuth. He made a comment about in his rookie year in 2021, he was labeled with, a lot of people have said he's had three concussions in his NFL career. He said, no, I, I haven't. He said, one of them, I was removed from the game and they wouldn't let me come back. He said, I didn't have a concussion. I didn't miss any time. I could have gone back and played. They wouldn't let me. So that tells me that sometimes, and I get why they're doing this, they're trying to save and protect the players from themselves. But in this regard, I have some serious questions about the protocol and fans that want to say, oh, Kenny Pickett's had two concussions in the same season. That's not necessarily true. And as I've always said, with almost any type of injury, especially a head injury, every single concussion is different. Some concussions might seem mild. For instance, a lot of people might view the way that if you look at Tyler Huntley, how he was hit by Minka Fitzpatrick on third down, he left the game with concussion symptoms. Uh, that looked bad. Some would say that Kenny Pickett's hit didn't look as bad. Kenny Pickett might be worse than Tyler Huntley. We don't know. Every single head injury is different. So Kenny Pickett's in the protocol, and we will learn more from Mike Tomlin on Tuesday. You might hear some things from players on Monday's availability, like, oh, yeah, Kenny Pickett was in there. The media might see him in there. Uh, so that, that that's obviously a positive sign. But ultimately, when it comes to what's happening moving forward, we won't know until Tuesday, but just to give you a little lay of the land. The other injury was Chris Wormley left with a knee injury. Mike Tomlin said after the game that that injury had to be evaluated, and he will know more about uh, his injury on Tuesday. So those were the only injuries of note. Everything else would be lumped into the Mike Tomlin bumps and bruises associated with football, and that's it for the injury update. Now for the news, well, the Chicago Bears were on their bye week. And since the Bears didn't play, that means that they didn't lose, they didn't win. They still have the second overall pick as of right now in the 2023 NFL Draft. So that means what? That means that that second pick that they got for Chase Claypool is still looking really good. As for the AFC playoff picture, you can find an article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com uh, sometime on Monday that will update the AFC playoff picture. It might not be till Tuesday based on the fact that it, seeing when an AFC team plays. I'm not sure about the Monday night game and stuff like that. And I'll update that and see, show you exactly where the Steelers stand, what would need to happen, the teams that were ahead of him. Like I know the Jets lost. And then that's a team that the Raiders lost. That's another team that might be ahead of them. So depending on where you lie, I mean, are you rooting for a draft pick? Or are you rooting for a playoff spot? We will have you covered for sure at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. All right. So I want to make something very clear. I said this last week. Living in the state of Maryland, a loss to the Ravens is like tw two times worse. 
I, I don't know how many times I've told every Ravens fan that wants to have this conversation, oh, the Ravens haven't beat the Steelers since 2019. And that's true. They hadn't, but they broke that streak. That four-game losing streak is now over with as they have a one-game win now over the over the Steelers in Pittsburgh makes it even worse. This was a horrible loss. This was a horrible loss, and it's one that a lot of fans, I feel like there's a couple games every single season where fans can kind of look back and say, that loss was a, it was a backbreaker. That loss was a killer Well, for whatever reason. And this would be one of those losses. And it falls on all three phases, folks. If you're sitting there and you want to blame just the offense, if you want to blame just a singular player, just the defense, or the special teams, I can't say it enough, you are wrong. It was all three phases. Now, this is a game, though. A lot of fans always, it comes down to, you know, coaches versus players. Who is ultimately to blame more? I think there's plenty of blame to go on the coaching staff in this game. But I put this game more on execution. Way more on execution in all three phases. So when we go through this, I'm going to go over the offensive failures, defensive failures, and even the special teams failures. I'm going to talk about issues that can be related to coaching and issues that are primarily execution-based, meaning it's the players that have to go out and make a play. So let's start on offense. In my opinion, the Steelers just gave up on the run. They weren't running the, the ball poorly in the first half. I believe that they had all over 50 yards rushing in the first half. And then for some reason in the second half, they just stopped. The first play in the third quarter, because remember, the Steelers got the football to start the third quarter. They run the ball to Najee Harris, no gain, and it's it's as if something changed. Something changed, and they said, you know what, we're going to abandon the run. And I talked about this on my Friday show. And it didn't matter who the quarterback was. They needed to remain in some semblance of balance. They cannot, even though the the Ravens certainly have their issues in the secondary, they cannot just say, all right, we're just going to go and we're just going to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. There are certain situations in a game where you have to throw the ball to get back in. For instance, there are plays, there are games. Look at the, my, at, at, well, yeah, Miami, they had to throw their way back into it a little bit. You think about at Buffalo, at Philadelphia, those games got out of control. You had to throw your way back in. This game never had that feel, yet they gave up on the run, and that is where I've put that on coaching. Unless Mitch Trubisky, who basically played the whole game, unless he goes up to the line of scrimmage and he's checking out of runs, they didn't run the ball enough, in my opinion. They didn't stay balanced. Then you talk about the key turnovers, and when I'm talking about turnovers, I'm talking about one player. It's Mitch Trubisky. Throws three interceptions. The worst for me. I mean, the red zone interceptions are bad, but it was the second interception to Pat Fryermuth. And a lot of people said, that's a design. That's a play thing. No, Sims ran the wrong route. Now, that's not not true according to Mitch Trubisky. In his post-game press conference, he said that Sims ran the correct route, but that Pat Fryermuth, who got, got jammed at the line of scrimmage, was late in his route. His route was late developing. Therefore, the two ran into one another. They ran their players into the other. That that was not on Sims. So I don't, I'm sorry, I that people want to talk about blaming players or blaming coaches. No, I put this on, on Mitch Trubisky. You throw three picks. I'll excuse one, even two. You throw three interceptions and it keeps points off the board. A game that you lose by two, 
Those are backbreakers. Those are backbreakers. And the funny thing is, is as I was watching Trubisky, and I'll talk about him in the second half. When I was watching Trubisky, and he was moving the ball down the field. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not going to say that he played a god-awful game outside of those three interceptions. However, I kept on thinking what a better situation the Steelers have at quarterback with their backup being Trubisky, a proven veteran compared to Baltimore, who had Anthony Brown, the third-string quarterback, in, and then Trubisky does that, and I think to myself, then never mind. (laughs) Never mind. And then lastly, the way the Steelers disperse their targets from a passing attack. So you're going to go pass heavy in the second half. That's fine. I just can't wrap my head around where in the world they they were trying to spread the ball around. And George Pickens, Marlon Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey, all pro Marlon Humphrey, a guy that is arguably one of the best corners in the AFC North and the AFC, maybe even in the NFL. He even said that George Pickens, this is after the game, he said he was getting the best of me the entire game. They didn't throw him the ball. They didn't throw him the ball. Three catches on three targets. Three targets. Now, is that coaching? Maybe. Is that execution? Yes. I'll put that both. There are going to be some of these that are both. So offensively, you had those issues. Defensively, where do we start? Well, we start with the can't stop the run. They cannot stop the run. They couldn't stop the run. When every single person in Accra Shore Stadium knew the Ravens were going to run the football. When Anthony Brown, of all people, who the hell is Anthony Brown? I don't know. He gets in the game. You know they're going to run the football. They can't stop the run. Third and four before the two-minute warning or third and three, you know they're going to run the football, and they just can't stop the run. This is a game where I think as a coach they could have had I don't know, Casey Hampton in there, and the players still have to execute. They have to shed their blocks. And I said this on the postgame show. I'll say it again right here. When you look at the stat line of this game, when you look at the box score and you see that the number two, the top two tacklers on your team were safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick and Trell Edmonds, that should tell you all you need to know about the way this run defense played. Top tacklers against a game like, in a game like the Baltimore Ravens, should be Miles Jack and Devin Bush. Or even throwing Robert Spillane. I don't care. Should be a linebacker. It wasn't. Safeties. That tells me that those offensive linemen of the Ravens beating their beating their man in front of them, climbing to the second level, and forcing the defensive backs, i.e. the safeties of the Steelers, have to come in and make a tackle. It's not good football. But I'm going to put that on execution. Next, no takeaways. No takeaways. They had opportunities. They got the ball on the ground. I think about the the pass that I want to say Tyler Huntley threw that hit off a helmet and DeMonte KZ almost came down with it. Uh, they just couldn't take the ball away. And I think that's on execution as well. I don't think that's a, well, you got to coach them into takeaways. Now, you either get the takeaways or you don't. I don't think that's something that's coaching. And then lastly, that they gave up the big play. That was one of the things that really got me the most. Yeah, they gave up the run. But not only did they give up the run, they gave up the big play play I mean when you take a look at the Ravens and their overall stats they gave up a a run of 44 yards to J.K. Dobbins Gus Edwards broke off a 16-yard run receiving they had Demarcus Robinson he had a catch of 23 Deshaun Jackson yes that Deshaun Jackson had a catch of 25 
This Ravens offense, especially with the quarterbacks that they have, are not supposed to be a big play, a big play threat offense. And yet the Steelers, they were just giving it up every which way. On the ground, through the air, didn't matter. That's on execution, and it's also on coaching. Like I said, some of these can be both, and that's one of them. On special teams, special teams, oh, special teams. How about the inconsistent punting? The inconsistent punting. I'll talk about this in the second half of the podcast. But uh, Presley Harvin had a net, a punt of net 17 yards. 17 yards. I am no punter. I can kick the ball 17 yards. He had a net of 28 yards. I'm not a punter. I can punt at 28 yards. Without a doubt, I can punt at 28 yards. This inconsistent punting is a big-time issue. But is it Danny Smith's fault? No, it's not Danny Smith's fault. It's the player's fault. Danny Smith isn't out there throwing high snaps like Christian Kuntz did on more than one occasion. He's not out there kicking the ball, punting the ball. That's on execution. The blocked field goal. Costly mistakes. Is that on Chris Boswell? I don't think so. You can't let Calais Campbell, as Mike Tomlin put it, get skinny and get through the line of scrimmage and get his big paw up there and block the kick. You just can't do it. Again, I I really find it hard to believe, and maybe you're someone that can't stand Danny Smith, I really find it hard to believe that Danny Smith and the many team meetings they had leading up to this game didn't highlight Calais Campbell and say, this guy cannot get through the line. He can say it until he's blue in the face. The players have to go out there and do it. That's execution. And then the return game, my thoughts are what return game? Steven Sims had one good kickoff return. The punt returns have been awful. That's a coaching and execution thing. You got to draw it up and you got to execute it. But what you're seeing here with this, this hopefully, throughout this exercise of looking at the offense, defense, and special teams and how the Steelers lost in all three phases, in my opinion, and you're entitled to your own, I think this was more on the players than it was the coaches. And the one thing that I can't ignore, because I did say that I put the emphasis on the players in this game, is that there are just some glaring deficiencies on this Steelers roster. I mean, huge holes on the roster, especially on the defense. Now, I'm not going to get into that today. That's going to be a future podcast. The Steelers have to finish this season. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. With four games left on the schedule, there are a lot of players that this is now a four-game tryout for where they're going to be playing football in 2023. And you could probably name them on your own. And I'll be doing a show on this, I'm sure, in the future. But still, there are the holes on this roster, especially on the defense, are just so, so huge right now. Glaring deficiencies. It's a big-time problem. Big-time problem for a defense that has spent a lot of money on that group. So, all right, coming up in the second half, we've got winners and losers. We have three winners, seven losers. Kind of combined them a little bit to get that number down. We'll be right back after this break to talk about those winners and losers. Stay tuned.
to the second half of the show. It's the day after a game, which means it's time for the winners and losers. Three winners, seven losers. Like I said in the first half, let's get this show on the road with the winners. Only three shouldn't take too long. First winner is George Pickens. Stat line, three catches, three targets, 78 yards, 26-yard average, no touchdowns, and a 42-yard long. Yeah, you heard that right. Only three targets. The last two games, five total targets. I don't understand this to save my life. The guy has done nothing but catch balls that are thrown his way. Has he had a few drops? Yes. Remember that game? It was there. Uh, I think it was against Cincinnati where it was a couple drops, and everyone thought, oh, man, what's going on with Pickens? He's fine. The Steelers just need to throw him the ball more. That's what needs to happen. George Pickens is a winner. He was the Steelers' digest player of the week, and he was only targeted three times. 78 yards. But that's not the, he's not the guy that led the team in receiving. That was the next winner, Deontay Johnson. Six catches, eight targets, 82 yards receiving, a 13.7 average, didn't score a touchdown, a 37-yard long. It was a beautiful pass by Mitch Trubisky, and it was hauled in by Deontay Johnson. This is What you're going to see here is a trend with the pass catchers. The game was not lost because of the pass catchers. Not Pickens, not Johnson, and now the next guy that's going to be on the list to make to round out the winners. This game was not lost by this group. So when I do my DEFCON level update in the, in the Wednesday show, you could expect the pass catchers to maybe even go up a little bit because whether it's Pickens, Johnson, they did their job. Sure, Deontay Johnson still had that catch and he tried to move backwards and lost yardage. It's going to happen, but he had a good game. He had a good game. Give him credit. And then lastly, Pat Fryermuth. He's the third and final winner. He had three catches on six targets, 33 yards, 11-yard average, and only he had a touchdown, 14-yard long. So with Fryermuth, I know they, they're targeting him, and two of those interceptions were targeted to Fryermuth. You, I just feel like the Steelers have to find a way to get him more involved. When you look at a stat line or the box score and you see that Steven Sims is targeted more times, or I'm sorry, four times, and Pat Frymuth is targeted six, you have to be wondering what's going on. What are they doing? What's the ultimate objective here? So Pat Frymuth has done a fantastic job. I'm glad he hit pay dirt. He deserves it. But ultimately, you want to see those targets go up, get his production up. That's what needs to happen. So those are your three winners, Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and our boy Muth, Pat Frymuth. Let's go to the losers. This might be a little longer. Seven. First loser, have to do it, is Mitch Trubisky. His stat line reads, 22 of 30 for 276 yards, a 9.2-yard average, which is really good. He threw a touchdown to Pat Fryermuth, like I mentioned, but he was picked off three times. He was sacked once for five yards with a 73.1 rating. Now with Mitch, I know it's difficult. I know coming off the bench, Going into the game is is not easy. But Mitch moved the ball well. And like I said in the first half, there was a time where I thought, man, this is the perfect scenario for the Steelers and the fact that if you lose your starter, you have a proven veteran in at backup. And what happened was you didn't see it. Yes, he moved the ball, 
but you you can't turn it over three times. So some people they bemoaned that they the most of these people hate Kenny Pickett. They hated how Kenny Pickett turned the ball over. And then coming off the bye, Kenny Pickett got very conservative. And they said, this team's not scoring enough points. Well, what you saw on Sunday with Mitch Trubisky is what happens when a player gets overly aggressive, and you could see what happens when points then go off the board. Mitch Trubisky throws two interceptions that would have been field goals. That's six total points. That's the difference between winning and losing. So all the people that bemoaned Kenny Pickett for being a little bit safe, for being a little bit cautious, especially in the red zone when the field shortened, well, you saw why. Perfect example. The next loser is special teams. The blocked field goal, the horrible punting. It it was an atrocious day for special teams. I mean, Jeffrey Benedict does our report card grading. Uh, He does that article every day after the game. I can only imagine that the the special teams grade is going to be a of an F, maybe an F minus. You just can't have, I mean, when you have a final score of 16 to 14, this is a field position game. And Baltimore-Pittsburgh has always been a field position game. It's one of those situations where you're looking at it and saying, okay, here's the thing. We might not get first downs, but we need to win the field position battle. Kicking the ball 17 yards, 28 yards is not going to cut it. Having field goals blocked when their points are at a premium, it's not going to cut it. Special teams, big-time loser. Next loser is the run defense. The Steelers surrendered 215 yards on the ground, 42 carries, 5.1 average. They gave up a touchdown and a 44-yard long to J.K. Dobbins. If you want to go into it a little deeper, J.K. Dobbins himself had 15 carries for 120. As a team, they rushed for 215. 200 yards the Steelers surrendered. Ah, This was like a 2021 Steelers defense out there. Couldn't stop the run to save their life. It was bad. It was bad. And then when you think about how the Ravens attacked the Steelers, the, the Ravens only threw the ball 17 times for 94 yards. And they still won the football game. Let's go to the next loser, the pass protection. You look at the numbers and you say, wow, the Steelers only gave up two sacks. Pickett was sacked once. It was the sack where he got hurt. Uh, and they gave up five quarterback hits. Like, that's not too bad. Well, not only was the play that hurt Kenny Pickett, where Mason Cole and Kevin Dotson, you know, Patrick Queen is standing right in the A-gap. And no one identifies who's going to pick him up. If he drops in coverage, who cares? He didn't. He rushed. No one touched him, and he gets a free run on Kenny Pickett. It's a situation where, and I'm not sure if that was Brocon Smith or Patrick Queen or which one tackled Pickett. Uh, they were both. They, this beyond the point. The point is, this the Ravens were able to get pressure on the Steelers' passer, whoever it was, without having to blitz a crazy amount. That's a problem. The Steelers, as an offensive line, they have to be able to protect when they only rush four or five. And they they weren't able to do it. They were having, you think about Mitch Trubisky running for his life at times in the second half. Doesn't go down as a sack. Doesn't go down as a quarterback hit. But yet, that was a severe amount of pressure. I think about the play where Trubisky ran around, heaves up a ball to Steven Sims. He catches it, two-yard gain. Yet, that was not a well-blocked play. 
the offensive line, for as well as they've been doing, they had been doing such a great job in staying together, continuity. Boy, did they take a step backwards. They took a step backwards in pass pro for sure. The next loser is the Steelers running offense. I talked about it in the first half, but listen to the stat line. 20 carries, only 65 yards, a 3.3-yard average. Throw in the fact that Kenny Pickett, he had 16 of the 65 yards. But again, Najee Harris had 33 yards, and the majority of those were in the first half, and then for some reason in the second half, they literally just said, we're done with it. We're not doing this anymore, and they abandoned the run. The Steelers, they prided themselves on running the football since the bye week. They they had over 100 yards rushing every single game, win, lose, or draw, since that week nine bye. This is the first time they don't reach it, and shocker, it's a loss. It's a loser, too. The next is the turnover ratio. The Steelers turn it over three times. If you turn it over three times, you better get the ball back a few, and they didn't. They weren't able to generate a takeaway. They got the ball on the ground, but they weren't able to generate a takeaway, and when you do that, you're not giving the the offense extra possessions. The way the Ravens moved the ball was on the ground, which really equated to time of possession being skewed. It's it's a situation when you play the Ravens, you got to be smart and you got to hope that the ball bounces your way a little bit. Time of possession overall is not as skewed as I thought. 32-59 for Baltimore, 27 minutes for Pittsburgh. But still, you would hope. You would hope. And again, that's been a calling card of the Steelers since the bye week is taking the football away. And I believe, I believe for the first time in the in since the bye week, they have not this was a game they did not turn to get a takeaway. They didn't get a takeaway. And this is the first game since the bye week they actually turned it over, too. So there you go. Last, the last winner, loser, I'm sorry, last loser, is George Pickens' targets. I can't, I just can't get my head around this thing. He's only targeted three times, and he has over 70 yards receiving. And in the postgame press conference, Mitch Trubisky was asked, like, hey, you know, you had some success throwing to him. I talked about this on my podcast uh, two weeks ago. How when Kenny Pickett came into the in as quarterback is when Pickens started to see his production go up. That when he was with Trubisky, Trubisky just didn't throw him the ball as much as other players. And but Trubisky found success with Pickens early when he came into the game. You're thinking, okay, here we go. They're going to stick with it. They didn't. They didn't stick with it. And you know this is something where when they asked Trubisky, what do you think? He, and he gave the old stock. I got to check the film. I'll see what it looked like. Yada yada yada. It, it, at, at some point, you have players that when even if they're they have there's blanket coverage, you say I'm going to give them a chance. They do that with Deontay Johnson all the time. They heave up these balls to Deontay Johnson, thinking this guy is not a tall receiver. He's not going to out jump anyone. If you're going to do that, do it with Pickens. Look at what the Vikings do with Jefferson. Look at what the Bills do with Diggs. Look at what the Eagles do with Brown. All these elite receivers, they give their guys a chance. That's what they need to start doing with George Pickens. He is that type of player. He's that type of player. All right, folks. There you have it. Three winners and seven losers after that game. That was a bad game. The Steelers should have won that game, but they didn't. They didn't deserve to win the game. I'm going to be honest. They didn't deserve to win the game. So I don't want people thinking that it's, oh, the ref screwed them now. The Steelers didn't deserve this one. They didn't deserve this one. You just wish they would have been, uh, they, they would have executed better. 
That's what that's what I took from this game. But nonetheless, we're going to press on. On Wednesday, I'm going to be back. You know what the Wednesday segment means. It's mailbag time, so make sure you're looking out for that tweet on Tuesday. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me there on Tuesday morning. I'll put out a tweet. All you have to do is respond to that tweet. I will answer your question on the air on Wednesday for that second half mailbag segment. In the meantime, though, you know how we finished it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. Good start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks for you. My candles burning bright.